For some time, most surfers have used the Navigator from Netscape. That might be changing with Microsoft's latest volley in the battle of the browsers. Welcome to Tech Tales. I'm Corbin Davenport. And I'm Cody Toombs. And we're back to talk about Internet Explorer some more. You excited, Cody? Can't wait. So in the last episode, we talked about how Mosaic was the first mainstream web browser and how the company that owned it, which was Spyglass, licensed its code to a bunch of companies to create different web browsers or just products with web browsers in them. And two of those were Microsoft and Netscape, which made Internet Explorer and Netscape Navigator, respectively. And then we talked about the release of Internet Explorer 1.0, and we watched part of that Windows 95 launch event. And now we're here. I still can't believe that they went with the name Spyglass. <laughs> that, that, that's still blowing my mind. Yeah, that is 100% when TV shows and movies need a name for like the creepy tech company, but can't say Google. <laughs> yes. So Internet Explorer 1.0 arrived in like around August 1995, because remember, it wasn't included with Windows 95, but it was an add-on package. So Windows 95 comes out in August of 1995. In November, we get Internet Explorer 2.0. So we're, we're very rapidly getting new versions of IE at this point. This update added support for Secure Socket Layer, or SSL, which is now very common. It included support for HTML 2.0 and 3.0, which meant for the first time Internet Explorer could display tables. Very crazy stuff. And everyone's favorite HTML element, marquees. Who doesn't <laughs> love a good marquee? Oh, yeah. And it supported GIFs, so... That's how old GIFs are <laughs> that we're still using. Yep. Oh, yeah. All of the animation and blinking text you can ask for. Also, this update added initial support for the JavaScript programming language, which had first appeared in Netscape Navigator 2.0 that came out a few months earlier. Are we going to talk about JavaScript in this, too? Do you have JavaScript thoughts? Oh, so many. So many. But I'll I'll just uh, leave this one, this little tidbit of uh, trivia out there. JavaScript was developed, if I recall, over effectively over a weekend. It, technically, it was over a week. But um, yeah, the guy who wrote it basically built it in just a matter of a few days and only intended it for really, really basic stuff. And yeah, even he has come out saying he thinks JavaScript needs to die. So, yeah, there's that. And that was that was Brendan Eich, right? I yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay, Wikipedia says so. Yeah, that dude is. Uh, he sure is something. Uh, not not getting into that aspect of it. Just oh, I'm okay with getting to that aspect. <laughs> just <laughs> just solidly stating the important point that. Even the creator of JavaScript is like, no, please, this needs to stop. So I'm going to read a small snippet from a CNET article from November 28th of 1995. CNET wrote, quote, Microsoft has unveiled a new version of its Internet Explorer program that promotes the use of Microsoft products. With the new program, Microsoft is aiming to loosen Netscape's firm hold on the browsing software market by offering multimedia and 3D graphics capabilities. Internet Explorer 2.0 also supports current internet security standards, including Secure Sockets Layer and RSA encryption. New features include inline AVIs to be used for scrolling banners and background audio. Characteristic of Microsoft's aggressive promotional stance, the new Internet Explorer 2.0 logo licensing program allows web publishers to display the company's logo on their site, along with a message that says the site works best with Internet Explorer. Quote, I remember the works best with IE stickers. That and the subsequent W3C badges that everyone used to put on. When I had to build websites, I absolutely ended up putting a lot of those 
on there just because some client felt they needed to be on there or um, at various points there were um, like early search engines actually looked for those. So yeah, as sick and twisted as it was, there were times where putting them on really mattered. It shouldn't have, it never should have mattered, but it was a thing for a while. And now when I use Firefox, I get warnings that the site is best used in Google Chrome. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> yep. So fast forwarding a few months, Microsoft released Internet Explorer for Windows 3.1 and Mac. So at this point, IE was only available for Windows 95 and Windows NT. Now they've backported it to 3.1, Windows 3.1. And it's available on Mac for the first time. And the Windows 3.1 version included its own TCP IP dial-up utility because Windows 3.1 didn't have all the built-in network stack stuff that Windows 95 had. Also, throughout 1995 and 1996, Microsoft signed a lot of deals with internet service providers and large organizations to expand Internet Explorer's user base. Two examples of this is AT&T agrees to make Internet Explorer the default web browser for its WorldNet internet customers. So when you sign up to get internet access from AT&T, they'll give you Internet Explorer. Also, at some point, the United States adopts Internet Explorer 2.1 on Windows 3.1 to be the primary web browser experience for the Navy, which is interesting. <laughs> And we also start getting into some antitrust stuff. In May of 1996, Microsoft allegedly, big quotes, <laughs> Microsoft threatened PC seller Compaq over its deal with Netscape, according to documents later released by the U.S. Justice Department. Compaq had previously agreed to include Netscape Navigator with its new computers, and they had also removed the Internet Explorer shortcut from the desktop. So I, I think at this point, IE was supposed to be bundled with most PCs, even though, again, it wasn't technically part of Windows 95, but it was often distributed with that still. So Compaq had signed a different agreement with Netscape, where Netscape was the default browser on their computers, and they removed IE from the desktop. Like There was no icon for it, but it was still in the start menu and everything. Eventually, Microsoft noticed, and they threatened to revoke Compaq's license to include Windows 95 with its computers. Totally normal things. Oh yeah, nothing at all fishy there. Stephen Decker, who was Compaq's Director of Software Procurement, said, quote, When they found out about it, they sent a letter to us telling that, you know, they would terminate our agreement for doing so. Quote. <laughs> And Microsoft supposedly gave Compaq 60 days to put the Internet Explorer icon back on the desktop. And they agreed to it because how are you going to sell a PC without Windows in 1996? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's not like they could really turn to Apple and get access to Mac OS. No one wants OS 2 either. <laughs> <laughs> no. Micron Electronics, Inc., another computer maker, ran into a similar problem with Microsoft in that same year. Micron had a deal with Sprynet, who was an internet service provider, which gave its customers the choice of either Internet Explorer or Netscape when signing up for internet service. And Micron was worried that people buying its computers might be confused by there being multiple web browsers installed. So <laughs> it was thinking about removing Internet Explorer as pre-installed software on its computers. Eric Browning, a manager at Micron, later said, quote, the Microsoft representative informed me that deleting icons would not be allowed, quote. It's so, well, I don't want to say funny because it's a little bit terrifying, but it's, it's funny and terrifying to read that because that is the exact same thing that Google is doing now with Android phones, where if you want to ship an Android phone today with the Google Play Store and all of the apps and services that people expect on an Android device, you have to have a folder of Google apps already on the home screen, which I believe includes Chrome. I don't think Chrome has to be the default web browser, but 
you still have to like prominently show their apps. And of course, Apple does the same thing with Safari on their phones. Yeah, this this is definitely one of those things that's sort of repeating itself on the plus side, kind of. Obviously, Google has put a lot of heavy weight behind pushing Chrome and all of their other apps. But as far as I'm aware, they're no longer doing the whole you can only put our apps on there, like totally precluding other types of things from being included. Yeah, that's our takeaway is, well, it's still bad, slightly less bad. Yeah, but (laughs) well, it's certainly not as bad as what Microsoft was doing. Microsoft was full like boot on your neck level control. Calling up companies who were thinking about (laughs) removing their web browser and being like, listen, no. Yeah. So now I've got a video for us to watch. We're going to watch a preview of the Internet Explorer 3.0 beta released by CNET in 1996. All right. I am ready when you are. All right. Click the button in three, two, one, click. For some time, most surfers have used the Navigator from Netscape. That might be changing with Microsoft's latest volley in the battle of the browsers. The newest version of the Explorer is out, and users may be the real winners. The second beta version of Internet Explorer 3.0 now matches and in some cases surpasses many of the features of its competitor, Netscape Navigator. Let's start with the interface. It is intuitive and easy to use. The buttons change color when they're hot. And the toolbars are movable. They slide in and out, and you can arrange them any way you like. And a special rating feature lets parents and employers block access to some Internet content. Browsing the web with IE 3.0, you can view pages that use ActiveX controls. Similar to Java applets, these mini applications embed audio, video, and animation into web pages, making them, well, active. A good way to think about it would be to to think about your favorite CD-ROM title and how interactive that is. And we're really going to try and bring the same level of experience, the same level of interactivity uh, to your web experience. And installing applications is a snap. When you get to one, you're asked whether you want it. If you say yes, it installs automatically. No need to restart your computer or the browser. But the biggest coup for this version of Internet Explorer is not so much its unique features, but that it finally offers the same bells and whistles as Netscape's Navigator. That is to say, it's been caffeinated with those Java applets that bring web pages to life. What's more, Internet Explorer is said to run them even faster than Navigator does. The other huge win for Internet Explorer in this release is its support for plugins. For the first time, Internet Explorer 3.0 lets you plug into the coolest apps on the web, including Shockwave, Real Audio, and QuickTime Virtual Reality. But like most betas, this one has its fair share of bugs. And some of the plugins lack the proper support to get them running. Now, it's not quite there yet. This is the first beta that has any kind of plug-in support. CNET.com editor Rafe Needleman says that for the first time, these browsers are on the same playing field. And, and this is, has got to be terrifying for the people at uh, Netscape because for the longest time, a year, you know, Navigator has been clearly ahead. Um, and now they're parity. And if the pace of improvement on both browsers continues at the current pace, Microsoft will outpace Netscape for Windows. Rafe Needleman cautions that Internet Explorer right now is available only for Windows 95 and NT, whereas Navigator runs on most popular platforms. Both are suffering a bit of browser bloat. All those extra features you probably noticed eat up a lot of memory. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, one, actually, I actually remember sort of this iteration of CNET. I, uh, the, the blonde guy speaking, I had completely forgotten about him, but yeah, I vaguely remember back in the day. And shout out to CNET for archiving at least some of their old videos and also having most of their online articles still intact from this time. Yeah, that is really cool. Thanks, CNET. Very cool. Okay, so actually on Internet Explorer, for one, talk about... I guess foreshadowing 
what is to come because that is exactly what happened. Like they knew then that Microsoft was probably going to outpace Netscape. Nor in normal software projects, that's not what happens these days. Uh, what you typically see is some something new picks up features really, really fast and it catches up to whatever competitor. And then usually they kind of run in parity. Like one one side will get some feature and the other one copies it six months later. But they never really outpace each other so significantly that it's just like a completely done and gone situation. But that didn't happen with Internet Explorer or Netscape. Internet Explorer caught up and just completely surpassed Netscape eventually. Definitely at least in users. I know early on there was a lot more of that thing where one browser would get a feature and then the other one would get it a few months later. Like earlier we talked about how JavaScript was added to Netscape and then it showed up like six months later in Internet Explorer. So there is some of that going on, but definitely later on Netscape has problems. <laughs> yes, lots. Obviously we saw the same thing happen with Firefox and then later Chrome. Yeah, and in that video, they talked about plugin support, which is new. We'll get to that in a little bit. And I thought it was interesting. They made a comment early on in the video about how the buttons light up when they're hot. <laughs> yes. Which means they're rolling the mouse over them. I've never heard that expression before. I guess that makes sense. Because like, nowadays, you would call that like active, like the button is active. Yeah, I do I do vaguely remember that being maybe the preferred nomenclature at the time. I it's kind of hard to recall if that was really right or if maybe they were just using they could have that could have been more of a side effect of just using sort of a different industry's language. Yeah, cuz like I know I've I've heard that in a lot of movies where someone would be like, "All right, the guns are hot." Like, they were ready to shoot the guns. Uh, right. And actually, in film and TV, that's that's actually a term that gets used in quite a lot of scenarios. Yeah, so, like, plugins are a big thing. Most of this video is just them showing basic animations or a couple buttons and menus forms on pages. Interactivity is the big thing here with Internet Explorer 3. Well, and at that time... Obviously, almost all forms of interactivity were pretty special because you didn't, I mean, obviously they had Java applets running inside of browsers, but that was, that was a very limited thing in its, in its usability. And it was basically just sort of saying, Hey, here's a thing that you could have been running outside of the browser, but in this instance, you get to run it inside the browser. Isn't that special? Yeah, and you're going from websites with just images, text, and links for the mm -hmm. most part, and maybe a Java applet here and there too. All of that, plus you have tables, plus you have GIFs, plus you have all of the other plugins. So it's a very rapid and major improvement. Well, improvement is maybe not the right <laughs> word. We'll get to that. Yeah, well... It's I certainly different. <laughs> yes. It is also funny to see some of the specific Java applications and things that they picked out to show off. To call them basic is too generous. Yeah, there's there's some that are like, there's like an actual board game in here, but it's only there for a second. Most of what they're showing is like a cup spinning around and mm. a few frames of a person dancing. The guitar player. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there's a lot of really cringy stuff in here, but you know, at the time that was kind of, that was still special because no one or anyone who looked at it couldn't help but think that this was, this was a step up from what we had had on the web prior. Right. You couldn't have animations like yeah. this, like even just a year prior, really. Or sound. Yeah. Like I lived in this time. I remember this and even I find it hard to grasp that there was a time when web pages were literally just 
static text you could scroll through that was it like scrolling was the most the closest you had to animation it is so interesting how like the defining element of 90s web design was just having sensory overload Mm -hmm. basically (laughs) like just up you know you'd have your tiled image background that made the text almost impossible to read and you'd have gifs and java applets on top of that and now now we're back to that but instead of them having like a fun gif of of snow falling it's just auto playing video ads (laughs) yeah so that video was about Internet Explorer 3.0 when it was in beta. The final version is released on August 13th of 1996 for Windows and January 8th of 1997 for Mac. So there's a long delay in the release for Mac. This is the first version with the iconic blue E logo. So we don't have the, just the, before this it was a logo of the earth with a magnifying glass on it. Now it's the blue E that everyone's familiar with. This was also the first version with HTML 3.2, and the first to have cascading style sheets, or CSS. A pretty big version. Yeah, and also, you know, it was a bunch of other smaller stuff, like that video showed you could customize the toolbar. There's a bunch of other smaller improvements. So, now I'm going to send you an article from the Wall Street Journal by Walter Mossberg for you to read. Uh, Good old Walt. A bitter battle is underway between giant Microsoft and Wall Street darling Netscape Communications for control of the market for software needed to view and publish material on the Internet's World Wide Web. The fight has intensified over the past 10 days as each company has released a new version of its browser software, the programs required to surf the web. It's a great business story, fascinating to follow. But what really matters to average users of the web isn't who has what market share, but which company's web browser works better on their computers. So, I've been carefully comparing the two browsers, Netscape Navigator 3.0 and Microsoft Internet Explorer 3.0, using the Windows 95 versions of the products on a typical PC with a mundane dial-up modem connection to the web. Okay, before I continue, a quick note... I think it's kind of interesting that he says it doesn't matter what which web browser has the most market share. Because that's exactly what matters to us now. That's that is so much how everyone decides what to support and what things matter is market share. Yeah. Uh, and even at this time where I mean like I, I don't think it's really started in earnest where a web page only works on one of the major browsers, but we are getting to that point very quickly here. Uh, if I recall, and I might be wrong on this, but I believe IE 3.0 was the first version to support IE extensions. Maybe that was 4.0, but I would have sworn it was 3. And for anyone who doesn't know, that was basically they they took JavaScript and various other tags and just decided to add their own. Just straight up, they added a few things of their own. Maybe that was four. Which were not functional in Netscape or anything else. Yeah, Netscape had no idea what to do with any of those things, and usually it didn't break, it just kind of ignored them. But sometimes it did break, uh, which was theoretically very much on purpose. Okay, continuing the reading. In evaluating the products, I didn't dwell on techie details. Instead, I focused on their ease of use, the clarity of their design, and how they functioned on the slower computers and internet connections used by most people outside the techno-elite and corporate worlds. In addition, I ignored all the fleeting freebies the two rivals are offering to lower users, such as Microsoft's offer of temporary free access to the Wall Street Journal's website and Netscape's offer of free news reports from the New York Times for a few months. These ephemeral gimmicks won't make a browser work better for you, and they shouldn't play much of a role in your choice. Netscape Navigator and Microsoft Internet Explorer both do basic tasks fine. Both properly displayed every web page I tried and ran most of the little programs, videos and audios embedded in those pages, including those written in the new Java programming language. I give the edge, however, to Internet Explorer 3.0. 
It's a better browser than Navigator 3.0 because it's easier to use and has a cleaner, more flexible user interface. The controls, icons, and menus users employ to get things done. Internet Explorer seems to have been designed with more attention to the needs of average, non-technical users. On top of that, it's free if you download it from the web, while Navigator costs $49. Microsoft really focused on usability. Netscape is a talented outfit, and its executives promise me they will dramatically improve Navigator's user interface and ease of use in the next version, due late this year. But Microsoft won't sit still either. Both companies, in fact, are racing to take web browsing to a new level, where it becomes seamlessly integrated with your computer's main desktop screen. That's good news for consumers, because even the best web browser today is still too complex and clumsy to permit the web to become a true mass market service. So a few things there. Number one, earlier he mentions that Internet Explorer comes with free access to the Wall Street Journal, and Netscape comes with a subscription to the New York Times for a few months. It's very funny that bundling random subscriptions with tech products is a is a thing that's been happening for decades. I mean, this, yeah, but that kind of thing, it was happening. I remember, like, not that I ever actually used one of these, but the good old famous AOL discs. Oh, my God. If, if you oh, used yeah. AOL, like, that, you got signed up for a couple dozen things just almost automatically out of the gate. And just everything coming with AOL discs with free hours. Oh, yeah. Which I, I'm not sure, but I feel like that was probably the the beginning of the, hey, company X, if you pay us enough, we'll include your your trial on our thing. I could be wrong, but I, I have a feeling that they were the first to really get away with that. Uh, and then obviously a lot of PC makers started including crapware. But uh, if you're Microsoft, you're sitting there going like, hey, you know, we kind of want to we kind of want to be able to peddle stuff and it works like this was enough to get people interested. Also, think about who they're targeting. They were trying to appeal to sort of your business user, your your more um, like corporate uh, corporate client kind of person. So, right. you know, these are kind of the things that you use as your sales pitch. Another interesting point is that Netscape is still a paid product at mm. this point. Yes. It costs 50 bucks, i.e. is free. And I'm sure that also played a role in Internet Explorer gaining momentum because Microsoft can subsidize the development of IE with Windows sales and everything else they do. But Netscape is just making Netscape. Yeah, though it is kind of notable. Uh, if you look really carefully, so it says, on top of that, it's free if you download it from the web, while Navigator costs $49. At the time, it like your computer probably did not come with a browser. Or, I mean, it's hit and miss. Sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. But out of the box, a lot of computers did not have browsers just straight up you ha there was no quote-unquote going to the web to download a browser because you didn't have a browser to download with like that's been the big joke for years on windows is that everyone just used internet explorer to go download firefox or chrome or whatever right yeah that wasn't a thing so a lot of people still actually had to pay for internet explorer by literally going to a store and buying the plus pack so that they could get it there or they had to know enough about using ftp or possibly one of the other things but usually ftp so that they could go download it from microsoft or it was still being traded kind of on sneaker net i think microsoft was doing the like thing a lot of linux distributions were doing where they were also providing it on disk but like for the cost of the disk basically Right. So it'd be a couple bucks. It wouldn't be $50. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's an interesting insight into what was going on at the time. And I mentioned earlier that Internet Explorer 3.0 added support for ActiveX. And now we need to talk about ActiveX for a little while. 
somewhere an angel just died. <laughs> yeah, like I need I need to talk about this partially because it's just important for why Internet Explorer became dom- like it's it's one piece in the giant puzzle of people being pushed to use Internet Explorer over something else they might want to use instead. But also, it's just completely insane. I I was reading about this and like the entire time I was like I cannot believe this shipped. <laughs> I cannot believe they thought this was okay enough to put on people's computers. I mean, a lot of the same stuff could be said about Java. Just just to get that out there, but Yeah. Well, yeah, we're going to get to Java, but so ActiveX as most people know it, it was like te- it's it was technically in other stuff too, like I believe Microsoft Office had some ActiveX components, but for the purposes of this story, ActiveX is a plugin for Internet Explorer, which basically means that if a page embedded ActiveX content, which was called an ActiveX control, like the thing that would load was an ActiveX control, if a page had that, then Internet Explorer would like take that block of the page and just give it to another service or framework on the computer to handle. Like, this is the same thing where much later, if you had a web page with an Adobe Flash embed, the browser wouldn't actually do anything with that area of the page that was supposed to be handled by Flash. It would just give it to Flash to deal with. ActiveX was not a programming language. It was a software framework that developers could create content with Visual Basic and a few other programming languages and then would compile them into ActiveX controls. And ActiveX controls could then be embedded into web pages as long as they were using Internet Explorer 3 and later. And like you said earlier, Cody, ActiveX's main competitor at the time was Java. Like these were the two main technologies you could use at the time to have really complex things happening in a web page that wasn't just text with links and images. So if you wanted a web form, if you wanted uh, any kind of game, really, all of that would be handled by either ActiveX or Java. These were your choices, especially because JavaScript was still in its infancy. It couldn't do a lot yet. Yeah, and very notably, if if it something was written in Java, you, the user, had to have Java installed on your system along with the Java plugin installed for the browser. So that all sounds good so far, but ActiveX had so many problems. It's riddled with incredible decisions. (laughs) So number one is that ActiveX had no sandboxing at all. When you're using a web browser today, web browsers have a feature called sandboxing where not only are sites not allowed to interact with the rest of your computer, unless you explicitly give them permission, they also can't interact with other web pages or anything else going on in the web browser. Like they're allowed to play in their sandbox and that is it. They can't go grab sand from someone else's sandbox. Um, There's zero of that with ActiveX. ActiveX from a technical standpoint wasn't that different than just running a program on your computer. Um, So it could access Windows APIs if you're running it on Windows, which meant it could interact with other software on your computer or Windows itself. Uh, We'll get to this later, but someone made a test ActiveX control that would shut down the computer when it loaded. There's just zero restrictions on what an ActiveX control could do. Yeah, and ActiveX was... uh... As weird as this may sound, it was seen as an advantage back then because it allowed ActiveX to work with other software on your computer. You could theoretically have interprocess communication, uh, which technically did enable a lot of really cool use cases, but is also the biggest security nightmare you've ever conceived of. Yeah, and I know it's it can be really tempting to hear that. That, the, that there was no sandboxing and just think like, oh, it was it was 1996. They didn't know better. 
That was a simpler time. No, no. Java had sandboxing. <laughs> Everything, like, normal web pages were sandboxed. If you had, like, JavaScript, it couldn't do a lot with the rest of the page or other pages or programs on your computer. We already knew this was a problem. <laughs> and Java, like, again, Java had security vulnerabilities that people found that allowed applets to break out of the sandbox and do things they weren't supposed to. But on paper, they were completely isolated from your computer. Yeah, this was already a well-known regular problem. There were already viruses of various kinds and various types of exploits that were just routinely used. So it is very crazy to think that ActiveX shipped basically ignoring that. And the only security safeguard on ActiveX, at least at the start, this changes with subsequent Internet Explorer updates because Microsoft, I don't know if realizes is bad is the right word, but they change it. Hmm. Um, but at least initially, ActiveX controls were supposed to be signed with the digital certificate to identify who made it. And early versions of Internet Explorer would run any ActiveX controls if they were signed automatically. I, I cannot emphasize how completely insane that is, where you could go to a web page with Internet Explorer 3, and as long as that ActiveX control was signed, you could load a web page, it would automatically start the ActiveX control, and it could automatically control your computer. That is completely crazy to me. Yep. <laughs> it's not even like on your phone or a modern web browser where it would be like, this page wants to send you a notification. Can you allow it to send notification? No, there was no prompts. It would, as long as it was signed, it would run automatically when the page loaded. Yeah. Completely insane. Okay. Now this never, fortunately this never really happened. Well, okay, the thing you're describing definitely did, but uh, now imagine this scenario, because this is something you and I both know very intimately. Uh, imagine if this had happened at the same time as uh, widespread advertising networks, which notoriously had page redirects that they were injecting into page code. So yeah. you go to a completely legitimate site that happens to run ads and then it redirects you to somewhere else. Imagine if that happened at the same time as ActiveX. Yeah, just completely insane. The opportunity for your computer to be compromised is... like I, I cannot believe this shipped. Yeah. And again, like you can't even be like, well, you know, they didn't know better. Like, yes, they did. <laughs> this, was, <laughs> this was not a problem with any other web technology. Yeah. Excluding vulnerabilities, because all computer software has like security issues that might not be discovered immediately and they have to be patched. But well, obviously we could we could talk extensively about Flash. <clears throat> yeah. Because we did talk extensively about Flash. And that that's our moment to uh plug the previous episodes where we discussed Flash. Yes, the the How Steve Jobs Killed Flash episode. That was a good episode. It was. The difference here is this was intentional. I, I mean, maybe they didn't intend for people to exploit ActiveX, but they also made a very clear decision that security wasn't a top concern here. Yeah. Uh, by the way, ActiveX has been cited many times as one of the biggest reasons why antivirus software needed to not just scan files. It needed to basically be checking your... Uh, like in-memory software all the time. And this is so interesting because this is happening at a time where there's active competition for web browsers. And part of that competition is which web browser gives you the most capabilities, especially with interactive content. We were already seeing that with Java, JavaScript, other web plugins like that, the video from CNET, briefly mentioned uh, the QuickTime plugin that could do like VR embeds, like you could move your mouse and like look around a room. And Microsoft 
with ActiveX is just like, all right, we will give you the most capability you could possibly have out of a web browser. But they're doing it in the most haphazard way where there's just no security measure. They're just they're just gunning it. Mm-hmm. Like this is the okay, you can our web browser is supreme because you can do literally anything in a web page now. You can call Windows APIs on your web page. And now we've won. And it doesn't matter, you know, the security doesn't matter, which, you know, impacts people's computers. Like it just matters that Microsoft won. Yeah. Which again, I I will say this, not that I'm not that I'm endorsing it in any way shape or form, but they did make the thing that was more useful, more powerful, more efficient. I mean, it had all of these advantages. They basically had a checklist of like 10 major advantages in the pro column. And then in the cons column, they've got like one item that just says security. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I feel like that's probably how they pitched this. It was, hey, it's really, really good for this very specific set of circumstances. And okay, there's this one little negative on the side. It It is basically going to become a clearinghouse for viruses. But who cares? Who cares about that stuff? So security was the main issue. The other issue was that ActiveX controls were compiled machine code. Again, like, it had Windows API calls in it. It had other components. Because it was so much like a program, it also had the issue of a program where you have to write it for each platform. So ActiveX controls were dependent on both the CPU architecture and the operating system. You, could, you couldn't have one ActiveX control that worked on anything with a web browser, like the rest of the web. If a web page, if, if I'm making a website in 1996 and it needs to have ActiveX and I want to support as many web browsers as possible, well, I guess computers as possible, we're, we're ignoring Netscape for the moment. That means I have to make a, I have to compile an ActiveX control for Windows on Intel x86 processors. I probably have to make a version for PowerPC Max. I don't know if ActiveX was on like the older Motorola 68K Max, but maybe that would have been an option. Um, there were also like Unix computers at this time. I would have had to compile for that if I wanted that. So what happened in practice is that most web pages that had ActiveX controls only compiled once for the most popular platform, which was x86 Windows. Now, like suddenly your web browser might have, might have to go to web pages that only work on a Windows computer running one specific type of processor. I mean, at, even at this point in time, Windows was so overwhelmingly dominant that it, this did not impact a huge number of people. And the people that it did impact it very quickly learned they, they were basically treated as second-class citizens and they kind of got used to it very quickly not to say that not to say that they didn't complain about it and that was a perfectly justified complaint but yeah it right was, it just it just reinforced it yeah they people understood very quickly that there was just living the windows life and there was everything else and yeah yeah like, like i even mentioned earlier that internet explorer releases for mac were several months delayed from when that version would arrive on Windows. And again, this is another problem that just did not exist with Java because Java applets, they were compiled bytecode for the Java virtual machine, which was designed to be operating system and processor independent. So as long as your web browser had the Java plugin and the Java virtual machine, Web pages with Java would work on anything equally the same. Mm-hmm. Again, like in this mad rush to make web pages as powerful as possible, they've made something that is one of the most insecure things I've ever heard of in, in, in like somewhat modern computers. And they've made something that is not nearly as portable as the competition. Yeah, which 
really just served for all of the deficiencies that it had. It basically just served to lock in Windows more. Uh, yeah. It it could almost be in a way a parallel to iMessage today, where it, it's deficient in the fact that it is less portable. It works with fewer things, but golly, if it doesn't make everyone want to use that thing be more. And ActiveX was only officially available in Internet Explorer. There was a plugin for Netscape from a company called Encompass Labs that could run ActiveX controls, but then you're still dealing with all the issues of ActiveX where like you still need probably a Windows PC to run most of them, and you have to deal with the security issues. I believe this plugin, when it was first released had the same exact security model as ActiveX and IE, where it would run automatically. So you're still dealing with that. Again, like I really want to emphasize that even a lot of people at the time realized how terrible this was. So I've got a Wired article written by Simpson Garfinkel from November 20th of 1996. And I'm going to make you read this. Sorry. I had a feeling. Microsoft's ActiveX technology is the single greatest technological threat to the future of the World Wide Web. Microsoft's ActiveX promoters are either so blinded by their rhetoric that they don't see the danger of this new technology, or else they are so cynical that they would destroy the very essence of the internet rather than compromise their market dominance. The reasoning behind ActiveX technology is fairly straightforward. Web publishers want to distribute much more over the internet than they have in the past, but until now, they've been limited by HTML's constraints. You might have a complicated animation that's simply too big to stuff into an animated GIF or a spreadsheet that you want users to be able to alter. You might have a complicated simulation that you want to let users run on their computers rather than your server. It's impossible to build all these capabilities into a general purpose web browser. ActiveX to the rescue. It lets you extend your browser on the fly. ActiveX is designed to solve the same sort of problems that Java and Netscape plugins do, but ActiveX does it in a way that's far more dangerous. Rather than having programs running on a virtual machine in a safe, quote, sandbox, the same way Java does, or requiring users to actively download and install the new programs, the way a Netscape plugin does, an ActiveX program that's been downloaded can do anything the programmer wants. It can reformat your hard drive or shut down your computer as demonstrated by this interesting, quote, Exploder webpage developed by Fred McLean, CEO of Apropos in Seattle. Go ahead and click on the Exploder link. You'll have 10 seconds to abort the shutdown procedure. Make sure you've saved any open files. It's theoretically impossible to eliminate these security problems within ActiveX, so Microsoft is following a different tack. It's enlisted the help of VeriSign to develop a code signing initiative. Here's how it works. Internet Explorer examines the digital signature of every control it's about to download. If the control is signed with a secret key that's been signed by a VeriSign software publisher's key, Internet Explorer runs the program without complaining. If the control is unsigned, Explorer puts up a warning message. McLean got himself a software publisher's key, signed his Explorer control, and put it up on the internet. And then he had VeriSign coming after him. Because in signing the applet, he had violated VeriSign's, quote, software publisher's pledge not to sign a piece of malicious software. VeriSign asked McLean to remove the offending control from his website. When he refused, they canceled his digital ID. McLean then got spooked by his lawyers, which is why he took the Explorer control off his website. I put a copy on mine. It's still signed by his key. So now you know what's wrong with ActiveX. If it's successful, the only computers left on the internet will be Intel-based PCs running Windows 95 and Windows NT, and the only web pages that people will dare look at will be those published by major corporations, because looking anywhere else on the web will be too risky. In that specific scenario, it only stopped working when... I, I assume the signing key was revoked, that's what it sounds like in this article, but something only happened when the certificate company noticed like there is so much time for you to ruin people's computers if you put this on a major website 
like the the amount the amount of damage you could do before someone notices could could have been incredible oh yeah absolutely i remember it was it wasn't too many years later that people were even asking the question maybe maybe the os itself should have sandboxing built in like they're all applications should be sandboxed to some extent and that didn't happen for another 15 years yeah so this is a general thing led by the web and web browsers where we eventually started to look at all computer software and be like they all have access to too much stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) we need to rein this in a little bit and we were we were just getting to that point with the first web browsers and microsoft was like wait a minute guys (laughs) wait (laughs) Mm -hmm. what if we still let them do everything though (laughs) wait 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 what if we do the wrong thing (laughs) what if what if nothing changes guys have you considered that (laughs) that was all happening in 1996 in september of 1996 the United States Department of Justice officially opens an investigation into Microsoft's distribution of Internet Explorer. Netscape had been really pushing for the United States government to do something because they were accusing Microsoft of using illegal tactics to push Internet Explorer over Netscape. Certainly, some of the stuff we've already talked about could be illegal tactics, like Microsoft calling up Compaq and be like, you you better not take our icon off the desktop or we will ruin your PC business. <laughs> um, specifically, Netscape had also alleged that Microsoft was breaking its agreement with the U.S. from 1994, which prohibited Microsoft from making the sale of Windows conditional on the purchase of any other Microsoft product. And we'll, we'll get to all that in later episodes, but we're done for now. Cody, would you like to to self-promote at the end? Uh, as usual, find me on Twitter. My uh, You can find me at Cody underscore Tombs. That's T-O-O-M-B-S. And one of these days, I swear I'll actually have more to promote, but uh, that's that's a good one at the moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, be sure to check out Cody's Twitter profile, which uses ActiveX for animations. Uh, I also have Java applets on there using using old Java one, so you have to you have to install the plugins to use it. Wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, I just remembered a thing that I was gonna. I, I've been waiting for an opportunity to make jokes about it the whole time. Just think of all the times that ActiveX can run on your computer. If that was a thing today, imagine how many cryptocurrency miners would just fire up the moment you loaded web pages bitcoin mining imagine done imagine all the laptops that would have just caught on fire in the streets (laughs) oh they would have melted so many computers there would have been like an apocalypse level moment (laughs) Uh, it would have been like the y2k that was actually going to happen if no one had spent years fixing all the code everywhere yeah (laughs) 